Hello and welcome to the Politically Speaking Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Chris McDaniel, a political reporter with St. Louis Public Radio. Joining me today, Jason Rosenbaum of the St. Louis Beacon. And Joe Manis with the St. Louis Beacon. Well, there is a new chair of the Missouri GOP. Ed Martin narrowly defeated David Cole, the incumbent, 34 to 32, I believe, was yes. what it was. That's yes, right. in Columbia With, uh, over two. the weekend. It's very stunning. Frankly, it was the first uh, major contest among the Republicans for state party chairman since the early 90s uh, when there was a battle between Woody Kozad and some other people. But uh, And then he was chairman for several years. So... Martin, had, as we'd mentioned earlier, had forged ties with the uh, Ron Rand Paul activists, some of whom had gotten elected to the state GOP, and some of the other new members, some of the Tea Party aligned members. The St. Louis Tea Party here had been uh, putting out stuff by either email or Twitter praising Ed before the vote. And it's not unusual for the state committee, for the Republican Party actually to be somewhat not more conservative than the establishment. Uh, this happened, I mean, which and, I've And the establishment, you know, endorsed endorsed Cole in this. And, you had and, Blunt. If, right. You, you had Kinder. You had the entire congressional delegation. Right. There was one exception, one exception, and the exception is the one that I think some people miss, is State Auditor Tom Schweik, who will be up in 2014, Tom Schweik did not sign the letter for Cole. Now, he didn't come out ahead of time and endorse Martin either, but he and Martin are former law partners, and Schweik's chief of staff, Trish Vincent, um, who used to be chief of staff to Matt Blunt when he was governor, Trish Trish Vincent got uh, Uh, elected VP, which was very interesting and really sent a strong signal that Tom Schweik is going to be, or is least expected, to play a bigger role in the state party. And they and, both have ties to John Danforth. Correct. And uh, Schweik, of course, he's not up till 2014, so he's not involved in all these inaugurations or anything. But the uh, state GOP is supposed to have their Lincoln Days in a few weeks, the big mm-hmm. one. And it happens it's going to be here in St. Louis this year. It will be. So here, you know, Ed is from here. Yep. And, and, in fact, Ed's the first chairman from the city of St. Louis in – it's in modern times. He's not the first one from the region. Ann Wagner was chairman for, for a long time. Yeah, but he's and the first one from the city. As I like to correct. say a bajillion times, he lives two blocks away from me in glorious St. Louis Hills. <laughs> and, and so that, I mean, in fact, I asked a couple of Republican activists about that. I mean, the fact that he was from the city. And they were like, you know, it's probably may have been the Civil War since the last time. And, the and I do State wonder Republican whether the, the people from the 4th and the 5th Senatorial District, which are the St. Louis-based districts, and, you know, no Republicans ever run in those districts because they're incredibly Democratic. I wonder if those made the difference in and, those. Well, we'll never know because they burned the ballots yeah. immediately after the balloting, which is another little now, <laughs> interesting tidbit. Now, I will say this because I know that Ed Martin's election has caused Democrats and, and adversaries to Martin uh, to just go crazy with yes. glee. yes. Martin has, I guess, a two-tiered task ahead of him. One is farther down the road in 2016, the Armageddon election that I like to call because there's going to be so many things going on. But he's only elected for two Two years. years, Yes. So 2014. So, Mm -hmm. But 2014 for Republicans, the bar for success for them is, is not that high. 
they have to get Schweik reelected, which I think is is not automatic in the realm of term limits, but definitely not impossible given the fact that Schweik has been seen as a good fundraiser and, and, and is the incumbent. And also, you know, as far as the state legislature goes, the Republicans could hypothetically take more seats in the House. If you look at the map right. from 2012, they almost won more than 110 seats. And they also have a chance to take two state Senate seats, one um, which is now held by Joey Justice and kind of in mid-Missouri. Yeah, right, n- right. In mid-Missouri because of a redistricting right, weirdness. Correct. And also one in Jefferson County, which we have talked about in this podcast as be- becoming increasingly friendly to Republicans. Yes. And you could make an argument that when Ed Martin ran in 2010 for Congress – I I don't want to give him full credit because I'm sure there were a lot of other things going on. But his performance in Jeffco was was so good, it probably helped toward getting a couple of state reps elected. It made the Ryan McKenna reelection, which should have been a 65-35 race. It was like... 53, 47, much closer than it should have. Yeah, Ryan McKenna is the state senator down there. So my point being, if... If those are the goals, and you also mentioned in your article St. Louis County Executive, which yes. I think is a is a tougher road to hoe for Republicans because of demographics, but those are not unaccomplishable goals. And I think if the Democrats don't put the amount of work and fundraising and legwork needed to combat all those things, Ed Martin could come back in November in 2014, point to all those things actually happening and say, well, you were laughing at me now, then, but I'm laughing at you now because I've won all of these things. Now, I, obviously, as you mentioned in your follow-up article, there are many things that he's done over the years. I don't want to say many, but right. a bunch of things that have stoked interest and controversy. So I don't want to sweep that right. under the rug, but I do want to point out that it's very possible he could be chairman, and after 2014, all of those things I just mentioned could go the Republicans' way. Now, there's there's also two challenges for him, uh, one that's institutional and one that is more personal. The institutional challenge is faces both state parties, and you're increasingly seeing this. Ever since um, campaign donation limits were tossed out for good in 2008, the money has been flowing directly to the candidates. Yes. And so increasingly the state parties aren't getting all the money that they used to get and they don't so they don't have as much control over the pot as mm-hmm. they used to get because the money goes to the candidates like in the case of the state democratic party it, it generally goes to the governor Jay Nixon and Nixon doles out a little bit to the state party to help pay its bills yeah which is why all those things that i mentioned if they all happen they won't be directly attributable to Ed Martin being chairman because of those things. But but, but if you look at what happened to David Cole, mm-hmm. where he took a lot of the blame for exactly. the statewide losses, even though, as Chris and others have pointed out in their pieces in ours, that Martin was in charge of the state GOP's uh, get-out-the-vote effort. Now, Martin attributes the losses primarily to uh, the fact that he says the Democrats raised so much more money and there weren't, that wasn't as much independent money uh, going into Missouri on behalf of Republicans, stuff that you know we've talked about before. But I think that um, whether – how much control he has or not, he will still, just like Cole, still have to um, – Be he, responsible. Yeah, he'll, so, or he'll be, he'll be a target if 
if if Schweik loses, if they don't win those two Senate seats, if they lose their supermajority in the House, you know, stuff like that. You know, that'll be the other side of the coin. If it doesn't happen, Martin will probably get well, the blame. Well, and then there's another factor that – or I've talked to some Republicans privately because um, they, they didn't want to be, uh, uh, you know, saying bad things about Martin in public. But they're saying that, well, one thing will – one sign will be whether some of the more powerful or influential Republican uh, – Donors. Officials, or, not, or not, the, not, donors, not the donors, officials. the officials. Sorry. If Roy Blunt really ramps up his own independent campaign operation, aside from his own direct one, which has covered by campaign donation limits, but many members of Congress have their own little super PACs, you know, where right. they get – if he ramps up that, if Ann Wagner, uh, who is a veteran at this kind of stuff and now a member of Congress – if she really, let's say, ramps up an independent uh, fundraising operation on the side, which uh, couldn't be used so much for their own campaigns, but then they can dole out the money to others. In other words, if you start having many Republican power bases among the top Republican uh, officials in Missouri w- seen as sort of a counter to the state party, and then that again weakens Martin, uh, that could be a sign, especially if they start doing it early on, which would be a sign that they're not sure they trust him uh, because he has been involved in various controversies. So now Martin says that he's going to be improving the database collection and other technical stuff within the state party and give them an advantage for them to all stick together. But the few, the next few months, uh, while the average person won't notice any of this, but a lot of the insiders will be paying attention to all this, and this could have again, fall out by the time you get to 2014 uh, because it could affect how much clout, power, and influence the state party has. Well, let's talk a little bit about the executive director of the Missouri GOP, Lloyd Smith. Um, When I was talking to Ed Martin, he was talking to his staff about finding a new one because Lloyd Smith is interested in Missouri's 8th congressional one of the district. bajillion candidates yes. for that race. So let's Not talk as l- many as Jesse Jackson Jr.'s seat, which I think is, <laughs> has gotten 17 Democratic yes, candidates. Yes, getting like AP and, alerts about And not that, including yeah. my mother-in-law. She has declined to enter that race. <laughs> She's yet to throw her hat into the ring. She will not. Um, but tonight there is a forum. Yes, the uh, first of two. Uh, a big, Thursday night, yeah. in case you aren't listening to it. And there are some developments, I think, in the last yes. couple of weeks. I think the biggest one might have occurred yesterday when uh, now former Senator Jason Kral of Cape Girardeau officially State announced yeah. he was going to be in this race. And I had talked with him immediately afterward, after Joanne Emerson, the Republican from Cape Girardeau who's leaving, announced she was going to retire and she, he mentioned to me that he was actively thinking about it, which was kind of a surprise because he had told me very directly, and I think he'd been telling other people, that right. he had no interest in ever running for Congress. But now that he's in this contest, um, it's kind of hard to peg to see where he fits in or how he will do because there's so many candidates. But I do think it it is a noteworthy thing that he's in just because he's a former state senator and he's been around for eight years. and. He will have some name recognition in the Cape area. Joe, what do you right. think his, his role will be? Well, I think uh, it, it could even be a spoiler role. First, we'll go through a couple of the real top major five. Okay, you have Lloyd Smith, who's the executive director of the state party, former, former chief of staff yeah. to uh, Joanne Emerson and previously to her um, first husband, uh, the late Bill Emerson, who was the congressman before. Uh, 
Lloyd has a lot of connections. Lloyd's roughly around 60. Um, Emerson is widely believed to be trying to help him uh, get it. However, you also have Lieutenant Governor Peter Kinder, who has said he's interested, and he is making a bunch of calls. Uh, Then you have a former congressman, former state treasurer, Wendell Bailey, who has jumped into it. Wendell, who has always been a wild card, and -hmm. I've known him for a long time, He's putting himself in as the as someone who could be a placeholder. That if that if they would pick him, he would promise he wouldn't run in in 2014, and that he would that, that he's saying that his uh, selection would give everybody else time to get real campaigns together. I would say he's a long shot. Correct. At best. Then you've got several state reps, but two of the more notable ones are. Um, Jason Smith and Todd Richardson. Yes. Uh, Richardson's been getting a lot of buzz. Uh, apparently, he's done well in a lot of his uh, campaign visits around uh, the district. Now, the Republican people who will vote in the district, and this is for the nomination, are all the party insiders, but it's I'm t- but the number is actually more than I expected. I'm told it's somewhere between 80 and 100 uh, hmm. different uh, because it's all the different townships and stuff. And that so they will not vote until after Emerson is officially out, which is in early February. So you've got several weeks of people maneuvering, making calls. We've got this event in Salem Thursday night. Then you have another one in Cape Girardeau about a week later. So a lot of people will be paying attention to this. And uh, what I'm told is that, that there's several camps. There's the Jason Smith, uh, Todd Richardson, the future camp. People, these are the younger guys, and if one of them gets in, they could arguably be in it for decades. Then you've got some who are saying, well, if we pick Kinder or Smith or one of the more veterans, then they'll only be in office for maybe 10 years or less, and then you could have somebody else. Crowell is sort of in the middle I think he's part of the anti-establishment crowd, yes. which not only includes him, but also includes Sarah Steelman, who yes. I think has also thrown her hat into the yes, ring. She yes, has, she has. But I've been hearing she hasn't gained that much traction. So here's one. Here, I would say that because Kral has kind of chafed against the establishment, his road to the nomination is not as easy as, say, Jason Smith, Todd Richardson, Luke Kinder, or, or Lloyd, Lloyd Smith. Smith. Right. But – one possible way I think he could possibly do it is if all those candidates kind of split the so-called establishment vote. And right. I'm just using that as kind of a, a name for that. Correct. And then the so-called anti-establishment Tea Party, more conservative members, maybe get momentum around a candidate like Kral. The and, Ed Martin approach. And then <laughs> it worked for him. I will just say, if that actually happens... That will probably first of all, Kral is a, a, a very fascinating was a very fascinating state legislator. Just as the way he was able to use kind of his force of personality. Yeah, look in the Beacon's archives. Yeah. Uh, Jason did a fabulous profile of uh, Kral a year or two ago. Yeah, and there are people who filibuster, but there were very few like him that could actually change the course of major legislation basically through himself. And I don't know if he could replicate that in the U.S. House where there's more people, but I I think if that happened and he was a congressman, it would be a really interesting thing for a reporter to watch. But to to also say any of the other people probably would be interesting to watch, someone like Kinder going from being lieutenant governor to being a congressman, 
Or someone like Lloyd Smith, who's been there a long time and maybe knows the, the machinations of Congress? Are the two younger people that could be there for a long time and could build up that seniority and become major players? So any of these people I could think could become congressmen that become kind of noticeable within the Missouri. Missouri and, and one sign will be the money raising. Since they're running for Congress, they do have donation limits. Yeah. So it'll be intriguing to see how the money starts, where the donor base within the Republican Party starts floating to. And of course, there's the whole controversy about if it's Kinder, if, if Kinder would actually end up winning the congressional seat, you know, the whole fight over the, the, the governor says, you know, they plan on renaming his replacement. Um, they point to precedent. And then you've got some of the Republicans who are claiming, no, there would have to be an election. And then, then there's this effort in, in the General Assembly to pass a bill so there's no doubt, yeah. which then brings us to our third topic. Of the Missouri State <laughs> Legislature, which kicked it off yesterday. Jason, you were there. I was. There were a lot of flowers and a lot of kind words as I kind of inserted <laughs> into my my. Well, that sounds story. happy. Well, I mean, it is. I mean, the first day of session is always kind of more ceremonial where people get sworn mm-hmm. in and people are trying to put as as tranquil as a face as they can. It wasn't always like that. I think after either, I think it might have been after the 2006 election cycle, the first day of session in the Senate, um, it might have actually been 2005. It was the 2003 was, and I was there for 2003 when when Catherine Hanaway was sworn in as the first woman speaker, and she was also the first Republican in a while. And then in 2005, it got very hostile. Yeah, and in 2007, it was definitely contentious, too. But, you know, I think I may have said this on this podcast before. It's a different kind of legislature than it was even a few years ago, where it was very much a Democrat-Republican adversarial thing. Now there are so many Republicans in both chambers that the Democrats have kind of this supporting role where sometimes they— are important in some issues, but really any conflict is between Republicans. Yes. And I think one of the things that I kind of touched on in the my venerable five things to look for, which I think I've done 60 of so far <laughs> for the beacon, is, you know, whether Republicans are going to be able to get along with each other, because we all know in 2011, Joe and I were there way too many times during that <laughs> special session that, you know, tensions between the Republicans sunk major pieces of legislation. Yes. But now that you have new leaders, they have – I don't think they have – I don't think Tim Jones of Eureka the House Speaker and Pro Tem, Tom Dempsey of St. Charles, I don't think they have the exact same agenda, but it's very similar in many respects. And they both have emphasized many times that they both like each other and want to work with each other, which didn't happen with um, Steve Tilley and Rob Mayer. They were at times very adversarial toward each other. So it will remain to be seen, you know – how the two chambers work with each other, how Republicans work with each other, how Democrats kind of factor in, especially in the Senate, where they can potentially block things or slow things down. And um, yesterday was just kind of the kickoff. And I think over the next weeks and months, we'll probably find the definitive answers to all those questions. Well, and the other thing that uh, Wednesday was, was this was basically the uh, uh, the unveiling of the Republican vision for the state. Yeah. That, Jones and Dempsey both giving speeches. Jones giving this 45-minute, very lengthy, detailed thing. Uh, Dempsey giving the more traditional 10 or 15 minutes. So fast forward to Monday when the Governor Nixon and all the other statewides get sworn in. 
except for Kinder, it's going to be parade of Democrats. So people are going to be hearing basically the Democratic vision. So it'll be the point counterpoint, and um, which I don't re- – even though the Republicans have been in control of the legislature, I think this one's going to be the more contrasting because there were so many Democratic victories statewide in November. So I think you're going to – And Nixon's more feisty this time around. Yes, as you know, which, which we've mentioned before. He's won mm-hmm. a second term and – Second-term governors, like second-term presidents, tend to get a little more mm-hmm. um, feisty. But I think you're going to see starkly more defined of their starkly different uh, differences, which will affect um, policy. And there's going to be this back and forth all month, you know, because he'll, he'll, he'll be doing the State of the State Address in a couple of weeks, and the Republicans will be doing their response right afterwards. Yeah. So, um, and, and since both sides have clout, Republicans control the General Assembly— the governor controls the executive branch, so you're going to have this. Uh, it, it's going to be fascinating. Yeah, and I guess one other thing as, as a footnote before we fade into the sunset for this week <laughs> is one thing that the governor did yesterday was appoint Bill Kenny, a former state senator, former Kansas City Chiefs Republican. Republican to the Public Service Commission, which is one of, I think, the more important boards and commissions yes. you can be, be appointed to. And I think if Nixon would have appointed like a, a sitting state house member to that, that might have been like a shot across the bow to the legislature. He had already appointed Don Ruzica to the state board of probation and parole. Yeah, and he's a re- he was a Republican. He's a Republican. Dropped it to 110 to 109. Yeah. And I, I, as I'll probably write soon, Tim Jones was not exactly pleased about that. I think if he would have dropped it to 108, and there is kind of a disputed election in southeast Missouri that that's a whole other ball of wax. I think that would have been a sign that. It was really going to get contentious. But I think with Bill Kenny, it was kind of a, you know, a, it, not only is he probably going to get approved, but the other appointee, Steve Stoll of Jefferson County. A Democrat. A Democrat. I mean, I would imagine that that logjam is probably going to get resolved because there are two now. So Yeah, and I think that's probably why the governor did it because, uh, you know, Kenny's popular with the Republicans. He's also former chief of staff to Kinder, and Kinder and Nixon are, are not best friends. They are not besties. But Kinder was happy about this. <laughs> he, he, he That was probably one of the first positive statements he's made about a Jay Nixon action in a long time. And the governor also, uh, the same day, a point resurrected Zane Yates, a former Republican leader from uh, St. Louis County who's been in private practice for the last 15 years, to uh, the sports authority in the city, uh, Bruce Summer, former uh, St. Louis alderman. Uh, he's He put him on the, on, on the authority. The former state uh, Democratic Party chairman, Joe Carmichael from Springfield, the governor nominated him to um, the Missouri State Governing Board. So he was pretty active on that day. Now, all of those require Senate confirmation. So uh, that could be a lively round of uh, Senate uh, considerations. I'm guessing that that signals that that he figures that um, all this will be fairly smooth. So we'll we'll see. Well, if for some strange reason you haven't heard us talk about the Missouri legislature enough, <laughs> you can tune in to the Nine Network uh, Thursday night where we will be on Stay Tuned STL or is it Stay Tuned St. Louis or just Stay Tuned? I think it's Stay Tuned, although by the time this is on John Combest tomorrow, I think we'll already been on. And but they can you be can on go- the car- archive. They can go but, online. but you can just go to beyondnovember.org and yes. find the archived version. But we'll be on there to talk about the Missouri State Legislature. Uh, Rob Koenig from the Beacon will be on to talk about the national 
uh, Congress. And uh, I think there might be some talk of the St. Louis mayoral race. I'm not sure. Yeah, we'll be on TV and dressed up. Oh, just looking so (laughs) snazzy. Jason's promising to wear a tie. (laughs) I have at least 30 ties. Uh So I just want to make that clear to the the six people that listen to this. Oh, did I say six? I meant (laughs) 6,000. Thousands of clicks. All right. Well, we'll be back next week to talk about more political stories. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at at CSMcDaniel. You can find Jason. Jay Rosenbaum. And Jay Mannies, M-A-N-N-I-E-S. We're all at beyondnovember.org. That's where you can find the archived version of Stay Tuned. Um, I'm at stlpublicradio.org, and Joe and Jason are at stlbeacon.org. We'll see you again next week. So long. Bye.